Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to worship this morning. Welcome to those of you watching at home today. A couple of announcements for you before we get underway with our worship service. Uh, We are taking pictures for the pictorial directory. I saw some of you availing yourselves of that option uh, prior to worship, and Lindsay will be back in the garden afterwards. If you don't know who's taking, where is Lindsay? Wave, Lindsay. That's who you're looking for. There's your photographer. So Lindsay will be out in the garden, right, taking pictures afterwards. Great. So you can feel free to do that. Uh, and we do have a, a, a sizable fan there for you, so uh, don't worry about the heat. Um, also, a reminder that next Sunday is one of my favorite Sundays of the year in the life of the church. We will be ordaining and installing our new elders uh, next Sunday, which is always, I think, a, a moving and beautiful part of, of our church year. So that'll be happening. Please keep that on your calendars. All right, with all that in mind, let us prepare our hearts for the worship of Almighty God.
Our call to worship comes to us this morning from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. For he has founded on the seas and he has established it on the rivers. Let us pray. Lord, this earth is yours, and we praise your name and glorify you for your power we see in this world, and your beauty, and your love. We pray that in this time of worship, we would praise you with our singing, with our prayers, with our listening, with our open hearts. Lord, be present in our worship of you, we pray. It is in your name that we ask it. Amen. as we prepare ourselves for our confession this day. We remember when we come into God's sanctuary, the first thing we remember is that we are not God. There is such a vast difference between us. And so that is why when we come to this holy place, 
we confess. We confess the difference and the distance between us and God who created us. So please join me in our prayer of confession. It's printed in your bulletin. God of all that is and was and is to come, we pray this day for your grace and forgiveness in our lives. We have sinned against you by failing to live as your disciples, failing to humble ourselves, failing to build our lives around you. We have sinned against one another by failing to love brother and sister, failing to love our neighbors, failing to love our enemies. O oh Lord, on this day we plead that you would transform us through the promises and gospel of Jesus Christ, that our lives might glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I offer to you the good news of Jesus Christ. As far as east lies from west, that is how far Christ removes your sin from you. In Christ, you are a new creation. In Christ, you are forgiven of your sin. And in Christ, you are called to be people of peace. Let's sing to God's glory. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture readings this morning comes to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 13, and then from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. I invite you now to listen for God's word to us today. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though one, are many, so it is with Christ. 
For in the one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were all made to drink of one Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every other living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth and every bird of the air and everything that creeps on the earth Everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I have to admit, it wasn't right off that I thought that something had gone wrong. When they locked down the city of Wuhan, I thought to myself, well, this is probably just another one of those exotic illnesses. It'll never affect us. I was supposed to travel to India a few weeks later, and never once during that interim period did I think that I should cancel my trip. And off I went to India. And then I came back from India. And then I was watching my TV, and I saw that they had shut down almost the entirety of northern Italy. I saw that there were military police guarding the roads into Milan. Milan! And then I saw that the Chinese had had to send doctors and nurses to help the Italians. And it was finally then that I thought to myself, Something's not right here. (laughs) Little did I know. It's a difficult moment, isn't it, when we realize that something's not right, that something has gone amiss. It's a difficult moment when we're meeting with the doctor and we can tell that her countenance has changed. It's a difficult moment when our phone rings at a time of day that it shouldn't. It's a difficult moment when our boss says in a very different sort of voice, could I see you in my office? We know in those moments, don't we? We know that something's not right. We don't know, we don't know exactly what it is, but then we know something is not right. These, of course, are little things that happen to us individually over the course of our lives. But there is something that runs through the world 
that we recognize is not right. There are things about the world that we recognize that are broken in some way. And we start putting language to that very early on in our lives. Do you know what we use to describe the brokenness of the world when we're young? What sentence we use? See if this sounds familiar to any of you who have spent time with young children. Well, that's not fair. That's not fair. Why does my brother have something that I don't have? That's not fair. Why do I have to go to school when my sister gets to stay home? That's not fair. Well, what do you mean my grandpa's sick? Well, that's not fair. From our earliest days, as we begin to try to understand the world into which we're born, we recognize that there is something, something that is just not quite right about it. And as we get older, oftentimes we experience firsthand how not quite right things are. And when we realize this, when we realize that things aren't quite right, one of the phrases that we hear, and I've heard many times in my own life, and also read about through history, is that when we realize things aren't right, what do we need to do? We need to get back to God, right? We need to get back to God. If we will get back to God, then things will be right. Here's the challenge with that. If, if you want to get back to God, you got to get way, way, way back. You can't just go back a few years or a few decades or a few century or even a few millennia. You got to go way, way, way back. You got to go back to Genesis because that's how long it's been since we recognized things were broken. So this passage from Genesis tells us a couple of things that I think are fairly interesting. If we listen carefully, we understand that whomever wrote this story understood quite clearly the fact that the world wasn't quite right. But then they also understood something else, something else that we wrestle with. The troubles in this world, the problems that we recognize, those difficulties we experience, they're not baked in either. They aren't the sort of thing that was placed here from the beginning. If we read this passage carefully, we can begin to see the difference between the way the world should be and the way the world is. So maybe we should try to learn something from it. You think, you don't have any say, I have the microphone, right? So yes, let's try to learn something from it. There's three things I think we can learn from it. Now, whenever preachers say there's three things that you can learn from something and we're already like five minutes into the sermon, people panic. But I promise this will be quick, our three things today. What's the most famous part of this passage? It's the image of God part, right? Like that's the part that if you've been going to church for a while, that's the part where you heard it and you were like, yep, I've heard that before, image of God. If we distill the image of God, this idea of the image of God being placed in humanity, and vast tomes have been written about the idea, which we aren't going to get into, but if we distill it down to one simple idea, it is this, that we as humans carry within us, each of us, a divine spark. 
There is an element that was placed inside of us that makes the human being, every human being, sacred. There is something remarkable about us. Clearly, that is established from the very beginning. So that teaches us something about the way things ought to be, especially when we live in a world where all too often we regard one another as anything but sacred. So that's interesting. Let's file that one away. And let's move on to this idea of dominion. We're given dominion over the earth, and doesn't it sound nice? This vast permission structure where we can do whatever we want to the creation around us. We are given dominion over the birds of the air and the creatures of the land and everything that creeps. But I hear it just a little bit differently, this idea of dominion. I think about how long our ancestors lived in a world where nature was remarkably dangerous for them day in and day out. And I think of a story. I was out backpacking one time in seminary, and I was hiking a trail in Colorado, and I turned the corner, and I was face-to-face with a moose and her calf. Let me tell you that I did not feel I had dominion (laughs) in that moment. The idea of dominion is the notion that we could live in this world without having to be in fear of the creatures around us. That because of our divine spark, because of the image which exists in each of us, because of the sacred nature of all humanity, I wouldn't have needed to be concerned that the moose would have seen me as a threat to her calf. So this dominion idea tells us something, but in my mind, nothing tells us more than the last thing I want to point out to you. Over the course of my career, I've heard many times about how Genesis particularly establishes certain norms for human behavior, and never, ever has anybody pointed out this particular norm that is established in Genesis. Did you hear what it was? Veganism. I'm not kidding. Did you listen carefully? What are we given for food? The fruits of the trees and the seeds of the fields shall be our food. And what about the animals of this world? Will they be left to eat and consume one another? No. They're given the green things that grow from the ground. On that sixth day of creation, after God had created us, after the birds had been hung in the sky, the fishes dropped into the sea, the animals spread across the land, God looked out upon that and said, none of you are going to lay a hand on any other of you. I'm going to give you abundant food, and you needn't worry about it. Vegans. Everybody's panicking now, right? In this sixth day of creation, we can see and hear how clearly the world was ordered in a way that is contrary to the world that we experience. The world that we experience goes far short of placing 
a sacred marker on the life of every human. The world we live in goes far short of a mystical meaning of dominion wherein humans and creation live in harmony side by side. And certainly any time you turn on Animal Planet, you know that things aren't going so well on the not eating each other part either. All of these things do two things. First, they affirm that feeling you have that the world is not as it should be, but they also serve as a lesson for us. And that first lesson, that first lesson is about how we ought to live. Think about that idea of the image of God. Think about that idea of the sacred nature of every human being. And then, if you're familiar with it, think about some of the things you can recall from the Sermon on the Mount in the 5th through 7th chapters of the Gospel of Matthew. Every human life is sacred. Therefore, do not lust after other people. Do not get angry with them. Do not lie to them. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. It's a thread that runs all the way through Scripture, and it's rooted in this idea of the image of God. It's rooted in this idea that humans have an inherent value. This is our part. This is what we're supposed to do. If we recognize that things aren't as they should be, a good place to begin is by treating every single person as if they are sacred, as if that spark of divinity resides inside of them, whether we like them or not. So that's our part. But there's a far bigger part to play here, and that is the part that belongs to God. When things are bad, we say, get back to God. That's what we think to ourselves. Get back. Get back to God. But what we really should think is to go forward. Go forward to God. Think forward to God. How does Scripture end? Can any of you recall from your memories how the book of Revelation concludes? I know you all have it memorized, right? I know I do. Well, at least the first ten chapters from Stress to the Nines. Anyway. Think about the very end of Revelation. What is described for us as the Bible comes to its conclusion? We hear about a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And in that city, that new Jerusalem, we won't even need the sun because the glory of God will be our light. And worship will be on our tongues and praise will be in our hearts. And in the middle of that city there will be a river. And running next to that river, fruit trees, which will bear fruit all the time, forever, for our food. God is bending us back towards how things were at the very beginning. As we live through this moment, this time when we understand that things aren't right with the world, we understand further that this means something in our lives, that this manifests a reality in our lives. We understand that as we live in this world, we understand who we are and we understand who we were, we were created to be, and thus understanding that, we understand that we have a role to play. We have the ability to point 
towards that day in the future with our lives and with our words and with our hearts and with our actions. And we also rest. We rest in the sure and certain hope that, thank God, at the end of the day, it's not up to us to fix all these problems. But we rest in the truth that the God who created us remains present with us. And that as we abide in this broken, fragile, and difficult world, we do not do so alone, nor do we do so without an understanding of how we are called to respond. You are right. The world is not as it should be. But from the moment it was created, God looked upon it and said, it was good. So shall it be. Amen. In our prayers today, there will be a moment of silence in the middle of the prayer where you have an opportunity if you would like to pray for joys or concerns uh, aloud or continue praying in the quiet of your own hearts. Let us pray. Lord God, creator of all things, we are in awe of your power, of your love, of this great work of creation that you not only created, but you continue creating and recreating in this world, in us. We thank you that you have not left us alone. We thank you that you continue to work on us, to shape and reshape God's own image within us. And so we do pray for your creation this day. We remember its beautiful places, its mountains and rivers, oceans and valleys, its deserts, Lord, the grandeur of your world. And we remember its struggles, poverty and disease and war and violence. And we offer those struggles to you today in prayer. We offer to you particular people particular situations, both aloud and in the silence of our hearts. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord God, while we are together in one place, we thank you that you knit us together into one body, into Christ's body. And we pray for every gift 
of the Holy Spirit, for they are necessary for us to try to live as your body. We pray for love and joy and peace and patience in our own lives. Fill us and renew us, Lord, we pray. It is in your name that we offer this prayer, and together we offer the prayer that Jesus has taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This song of offering is to the glory of God. We do not pass offering plates at this time, but there is a basket here if you'd like to give an offering following worship.
Let us pray. Lord God, for this music and the songs on our lips, we give you praise and we ask that you accept our offering for our lives and the gifts you have given us. Lord, we pray that you would accept the gifts we give Multiply the gifts we share in our lives. Multiply the work we do in your name in our lives. And may it be an offering to you. It is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. now may the grace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once more into these doors. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you.